0: Peace, Power, and Prosperity, family. How we doing out there? Y'all already know what time it is. The Bitcoin Bully coming to you once again with the Early of Crypto Update. Um, once again, we're going to be touching on DeFi, decentralized finance, which is one of my most... Um, or one of the most interesting spaces within the cryptocurrency space, in my opinion, you know, to me. And this article that we're going to be going over was released by the Zerion Group on their Medium page. And it is entitled... What is DeFi and why do we need it? So, we'll be going over the article verbatim, but at the same time, I will be adding on my own commentary along with the information that they'll be sharing. So, how we doing out there for those that are going to be uh, watching in on the Bit Patreon group? Also, those that will be listening in, New, no- New Money Matrix podcast, which I do see has been picking up a lot of traction on the iTunes uh, version. More so than Android or, uh, or the web-based page. So kudos to everybody out there listening in on their iPhones um, or iPads, whatever the case may be. Salute. I appreciate y'all tuning in to get this information. Um, just getting into the article, straight to it. They state that decentralized finance is here and it has the potential to become the driving force of a more open economy. Financial markets can drive the prosperity of society by enabling great ideas to become reality. But, finance is centralized. Most people are locked out of decisions about what gets funded and get only a small portion of the profits from the projects that do. More than half of global VC funding goes to United States startups. Most of which are in a few cities like San Francisco and New York City. Meanwhile, even in the U.S., the bottom 80% of society own only 7% of the company shares. And individuals in many other nations do not even have access to stock markets. Finance is central to the global economy, but it is not an open system. Um, just in the opening statements, um, appreciative that they're hitting certain points to whereas it shows a disparity or a lack of Involvement from, you know, the regular Joe, small 9 to 5 mom-and-pop, you and I. And those individuals that live within the know, you know, quotations. And understand how the economy really works. And the financial instruments that are available to those individuals that have that knowledge. Because even though it may seem like it's a, and at times it is, especially when you're looking at, accredited investors having to be the ones that can invest, Um, speaking on the price difference or um, difference in, you know, one's pocket versus those that are actually in here making these moves. You know, sometimes when you're investing, you have to have a starting um, margin or capital of, I believe... Two point five million to be an accredited investor, if I'm not mistaken. Let me uh let me see. What is the just real quick cause I, I wanna show the difference here? Here we go. What are the requirements for 2019 to become an accredited Okay, to be an accredited investor you must either have a net worth exceeding 1 million of your own or with a spouse or you must earn an income surpassing 250,000 300,000 if combined with the spouse during the last 2 years you must also prove you can maintain this income status for the current year so that Is the title or status of an individual that wants to invest in certain funding projects or certain investment um, platforms, protocols, programs, companies, whatever the case may be, you have to be an accredited investor. So just that one dividing line right there of you actually having a net worth exceeding one million dollars on your own or you with a spouse like. Not that many individuals are able to come up with those type of funds, so already it's it's it's, it's setting the bar kind of high. And that's something that a lot of individuals that aren't into finances or um you know investing, that it, it's it's a lot that's not known that I believe individuals need to become aware of when looking at what to invest, where to invest, how to invest. You know, um what's myth versus what's real. But I'm um, just going on into the um. Going on into the article, it says how centralized finance works. The the mechanism behind this is that ordinary people pass control over their assets to banks and other financial intermediaries so professional managers can work wisely and sometimes unwisely with the money in the markets. Their logic is that they will make higher returns and therefore account holders also benefit a very, very small amount. Um, However, the result is keeping control and risk at the center of the system. We know that bankers, as experienced as they may be, are still fallible and can fail to see risk in the markets. Or, in my opinion, take more risk, you know, whereas you know how it is if you're not playing with your money. You know, your, 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 your risk tolerance may be a little bit higher than it usually is. Um... Not verbatim from their, their article, my own opinion. It goes on to state, as in the 2008 housing bubble, which if you're not familiar with it, one movie I suggest you um, go check out. It's called The Big Short. It explains it pretty good. Um, when they control all the money, risk accumulates at the center and endangers the entire system. Incomplete decentralization. Satoshi created the Bitcoin in 2008 as the the first ever solution to have global peer-to-peer trade settlements with no intermediaries required, so that individuals could keep control over their assets. However, Bitcoin and early cryptocurrencies only decentralized the issuance and storage of money, not access to the financial system. This is true. Two major issues with the current crypto space stand out. Firstly, Although protocols are decentralized and based on consensus algorithms, many access points to the system, like exchanges, are still centralized. In addition, many crypto projects are managed through quite centralized organizations or companies that too often lack transparency or accountability and do not openly show the development of new parts of the ecosystem. As a result, blockchain has not yet opened up finance. The question of of access. It is not surprising that fields like finance and cryptocurrencies, where participants must have high degrees of knowledge and access to enter, are not very open to large parts of the world. Nonetheless, because of the key role that finance plays today, and that blockchain based finance will likely play in the future of global, global economies, it is problematic that a majority of humanity should be locked out. Diversity helps decision making, and we could avoid a lot of fights over taxation in our financial system if our financial system was fair and more open at the, at the outset. The solution is not being ordinary and accepting, being locked out. It is building and using the tools to take control of our assets and our decisions about them. Now we're going to get into decentralized finance. Many firm, firm, fintech firms... And new age promise or new age banks promise to give more control to the consumer. These are misleading promises because, in most cases, banks still manage the assets, and customers has to trust the bank to take good care of it. They are faster and more convenient, but not fundamentally different from old banking. True disruption only comes with full individual control over assets and access. And technology is now enabling this reality. Many builders for innovative financial products are moving towards open source protocols for exchanging assets through decentralized platforms. The new platforms have two huge advantages over finance as it it exists today. Firstly, individuals will be able to unlock many known and new forms of value while not having to trust an intermediary to take care of their assets for a commission. And anyone has access, and there is no central control, meaning that it's borderless and permissionless, meaning that they will not hold against you if you're trying to get a loan and you have the assets to collateralize yourself. They will not hold against you um race, color, creed, nationality, um you know where you live as far as area code, whether you live in a bad area, good area quote unquote, you know even in some instances. Depending on mental capacity, it doesn't even matter the age group of the individual utilizing these platforms to whereas you can have a teenage son or daughter, you know, starting their own decentralized bank account and learning how to utilize the new financial instruments and tools that are available um, to the masses, though unknown to the majority of individuals. Um, The article goes on to state. Decentralized finance or DeFi, already provides a range of common financial vehicles and marketplaces that ensure that the individual is the sole custodian of their assets at all times. Today, all these protocols are based on Ethereum smart contracts. Some of the most promising and advanced ones are decentralized exchanges like OX or Kyber Network, which both have their own native currency, OX being OX or ZRX currency, um... Kyber network being KNC or the Kyber network crystal. Now you also have non-asset backed stable coins like Dai with a reliable value for hedging and transferring, which I wouldn't say that Dai is not a I wouldn't label Dai a non-asset backed stable coin whereas every Dai that is created is actually backed by a digital asset in my opinion called Ethereum, which has also been labeled a commodity by the CFTC. So, um I wouldn't DAI, I you know, my own commentary, I wouldn't say that DAI is a non-asset-backed stablecoin. Um, the one aren't-asset, well, depending on how you look at it, you know, USDT, Paxos, um, TUSD, USDC are backed by a certain reserve of Federal Reserve notes, which are debt notes, as well as a number of promises to pay or IOUs, um, as, I, as I understand it. So, you know, pick your poison. Um token baskets also, which is a decentralized equivalent to ETFs. Um and this is through the SET protocol, which is a very nice platform for individuals that you know want to take the time out to learn how to use it. You also have smart contract based asset management funds like Mellonport. Um also to just throw out there. You also have CoTrader, which is the first decentralized, well, I mean I say the first decentralized, um a very useful platform that an individual wanting to manage, you know. Different individuals or somebody that may want to have their assets managed for them to utilize in a decentralized way. Also, you have tokenized debt platforms like Dharma or Compound for lending and borrowing. And that's the equivalent of you being able to utilize yourself as a financial institute, almost like a payday um, institute or maybe title loan service to whereas individuals will collateralize or give you collateral to hold in a sense and you loan them funds you know a lot of it is done through um through pools but from you lending those funds you receive a certain amount of interest while those funds are being lent out and then once the loan is paid off the collateral is released and you are left with the interest now also you're able to Loan yourself funds if you ever need against that collateral, which you're pooling. To whereas if you wanted to hold a digital asset such as Ethereum and, you know, the market is ripe for Ethereum to grow and not decline. um, One would be able to collateralize that Ethereum and then borrow against that collateralization and then pay it off as, you know, one feels as long as Ethereum is not close to that liquidation price, they have the time to pay it off. To whereas there is no limit on the loans that you take out against yourself. It's really a very, very, very responsible space that we're living in right now for those that are able to take advantage of it. To whereas, you're not going to have the banks calling you, you know, saying you owe this, you owe that. You're not going to have third-party debt collectors calling you saying you owe this or you owe that. You don't owe anybody but yourself. So, you know, it's um, a huge leap in the responsibility department. Whereas, okay, are you gonna, you know, not pay yourself back? Um, anyways, proceeding on with the article, it goes on to state that the markets for them are small for now, but they promise for the first time a global financial marketplace with programmable stores of value that do not just serve but belong to the individual. You can find a full list of projects um, on such platforms as DeFi Pulse. Um DeFi Prime, uh the state of DAPs. Um to go on it says to put these ideas into perspectives, here's how DeFi is upgrading all the functions of finance. And for those that are able to view, you see we have a picture graph. Um for those that are listening in, I'm gonna explain what we have. Um so running uh top to bottom, we have three different sectors. You have the traditional, the fintech, and then the DeFi. And then running left to right, you have the different functions that those sectors um, take care of or cater to. And it's going to coincide with the, the function to the sector. So issuing money in a traditional market, you have the state. In fintech, it is um, there's nobody. And in DeFi, the proof of work and proof of stake rewards. That's who's issuing the money. Um, in the traditional way of transferring money... Traditional is cash Fintech is Revolut Revolut And TransferWise Hold on Let me see What this is Uh Okay, Revolut LTD is a UK financial technology company that offers banking services, including a prepaid debit card, um, fee free currency exchange, commission free stock trading, and cryptocurrency exchange and peer to peer payments. Wow, didn't know that. A better way to handle your money. Interesting, okay. Um, that's their way of transferring money and then transfer wise. And DeFi, cryptocurrency and token transactions. Um, now you have lending and borrowing of money. In the traditional sense, the banks do this. In fintech, you have lending clubs. And in DeFi, you have tokenized peer-to-peer debt. Next, you have exchanging assets. In a traditional market, the exchanges and brokers like the NASDAQ handle these functions. Fintech is left out of this space. And in DeFi, there is the decentralized exchanges that allow for the exchange of assets. And then last but not least, we have the investing of money, whereas in a traditional sense, um, Their stocks, bonds, etc., accessing through banks and exchanges. So still going through a centralized uh, outlet. In fintech, you have Robinhood, and then in DeFi, you have tokenized financial products, ICOs, STOs, and token baskets, such as CEX available on the Synthetics Exchange. Now, before we get started on how to enter the market, we will take you on a tour through the protocols that underlie decentralized finance. Um. And they're basically just stating that before you really get into how to enter, you want to look at the many options that you have. And this ain't over the next couple of weeks. Um, this platform or this um, page, specifically Zirion, is going to post introductions into all the protocols. I'm going to try my best to keep up with these different protocols that they're introducing. But more so, I'm going to focus on the ones that I myself self have utilized, whereas I'm not going to be introducing anything that I myself have not uh, used and tested. You know, I'm not just going to be talking about any and everything out there, having individuals, you know, possibly, even though this is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form, putting their funds in something and then, you know, not actually knowing what's going on. And then, you know, they may have questions for me and I'm not able to answer them. At least with me utilizing these platforms myself and testing them out, I'll be able to answer, you know, possibly many of the questions that may come up for individuals that may be just beginning in this space. So I um, hope this article was helpful for individuals that were able to view and or listen to it. Um, for those that are checking in on the big Patreon page, keep your eyes open for more content. Um, more content coming a lot more quick. I've been real busy, so I do apologize for the hiatus between the last DeFi article and this one um, being brought to uh, to the light. Also, to those out there listening in on the new Money Matrix podcast, I'm going to try my best to bring you a daily update on the stats. May, even if it's only 5 to 10 minutes, at least the top t- uh, 5 to tw- uh, 10 coins. And I may, I may allocate that over to... Uh, the Bit Patreon page, also, though it may be a little bit more drawn out. But until the next video, until the next podcast, this is the Bitcoin Block Bully, Peace, Power, and Prosperity family. I am out of here.